छात्र अमिस्त्रोबीन हजार Okay, I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Hi, welcome to Don't Read the Latin. This is Jennifer Lovely and Ryan Hall. <laughs> so it's nice to be like we had a one week delay on this. And as much as I absolutely love doing the like 100th episode, I'm like kind of happy to to be back to it's just two people, just hanging two out people on couch. hanging out on a couch talking about movies. So, Ryan, what have you seen lately? Um, I've been watching a few things. I watched, um, do, 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 something, anything good. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm, my, uh, wig and dress show, Harlots, is back on Hulu, so Ooh. of course I'm watching that. I think the season's almost over. I just watched the season finale of Pose, and it was great, and it was perfect. I keep wanting to start that. The season it. finale is one of those things where if a lot of shows will do cliffhangers, this show closed all the storylines so that if they get to come back next season, that'll be great. But if they don't, no one feels like they were ripped off or like mm -hmm. they'll never, I'll never know what happens to these characters. You will know, you know, it's, yeah, you can leave them where they are now and it's okay. Um, so I like that. Um, I watched an amazing documentary series called Pain, Pus, and Poison. Yes, you talked to me about this. Yes. <laughs> and it's uh, a, one of the best... I, did I talk about it on the podcast? No, 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 no just to me. Yeah, it's one of the best um, science documentary shows I've seen in years. And there's three episodes. The first episode is about the history of pain relief and pain relieving drugs. The second episode is called Pus, and it's about um, how we learn to control infection. And the third one is called Poison. And it's about how we use poisons as medicine. First, it's, a lot of it is about how poisons were discovered, how they work, and how they can be used in medicine, like like Botox. Yeah. A Enough Botox to kill three people weighs the same as a centimeter of air. It is that deadly. Wow. So, yeah. The fact that it makes lots of women's migraines go away is an amazing, amazing mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we can use this. It just has to be extremely diluted. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. It was a great documentary, and I learned a lot of stuff. And uh, and if you get a chance to see it, um, it was on BBC4, I believe. And I don't know if it can be seen in the U.S. or if you have to sneakily download it somewhere. The person that oh, I watch movies with oh, okay. sneakily downloads things <laughs> sometimes. Um, so I saw that. I'm kind of in a new... F a I'm in an active fandom, which feels weird to me, because every time I get into a fandom, it's already done. Aww. It's like, I've just discovered Hannibal. And then my friends are like, where were you three years ago? Uh, but this time... I've started watching something called Critical Role, which is a bunch of people playing Dungeons and Dragons. They're all professional voice actors, and they are so good at role-playing. It makes me feel like a jerk for every role-playing character I've ever had, and it's going to change <laughs> the way that I game. Oh, that's awesome. Just because the characters are so vibrant and... I love how passionately you talk about it. Like, you yeah. you are so joyful since you started I know, it makes me so happy. There's, like, male characters that aren't... In, I don't know how many Dungeons and Dragons games you guys have played in, <laughs> but I'm willing to bet that most of the guys playing the games are playing characters who are very macho yeah. in their way. And the thing that I like about this is that, yeah, they do have two characters that are macho. One of them's male, one of them's female. Um, the male characters are really fully realized, and the, they're just gentle and that's so amazing to me yeah. after 
well, I've been gaming since it came out in the 70s. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wow, I didn't know that was a thing. And then the one of the female characters is just goofy and funny and makes jokes all the time. And I'm like, wow, that never occurred to me that you could have in this game, you could be a character that wasn't serious or murderous. Yeah. And it's really and opened is, my is, eyes to yeah. new ways of gaming. Gaming in gaming culture is so fraught with a lot of toxic masculinity and a lot of exclusion towards women. Well, I don't think it's... I haven't had it as bad in role-playing, role-playing and tabletop like, culture as online gaming and see, electronic as, gaming. You know, Jim's getting... He was really into, like, 20 years ago, was really into Warhammer, however, mm-hmm. when it first started. Um, and he just recently got back into it because he was playing Armada, and it just stopped. Like, they stopped yeah. doing releases for it and stopped yeah. doing any new content. Um, and he got really back into Warhammer, and there's, like, the communities for it are pretty awful. And, mm. you know, the just online a communities? Lot of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's found a couple that are, like, really, like, have a lot of uh, female participation. Mm-hmm. Um, and try to be inclusive, but there's like, that's one community out of 99. And, you know, it's like, I went shopping with them this weekend and we stopped by a game store and I literally wasn't even like, I walked in with him. They straight on acknowledged him and literally ignored my existence. I didn't yeah. get a greeting. I didn't get any acknowledgement that I existed no, in the store No, because in you're the way. gamer's girlfriend. Your job is to cross your arms and, and tap your Go, foot. And uh, don't spend more money than, you you know, whatever. Yeah, your doing. job is to cross your arms and then tap your foot impatiently and roll your eyes. Yes, apparently. And That's, which I failed at miserably. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but did you have any other movies or anything um, that you... Let's see. I watched uh, The Boys. I kind of liked it. I thought it was an interesting take. I do eventually want to watch it. I just don't feel any rush to watch it. Yeah. Just, I didn't either, but then I just, just threw it on. I just and had. Uh, all right, I was, I was, I was working from home that day, and I'm like, I'll just throw it on and just watch it straight through. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy the guy that's playing the Homelander slash Captain America character because he is so creepy. And I, I've heard from everybody, he is so, the villain you love to hate. Oh, I just, I, I don't know. He's just terrifying. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what I've watched lately. What have you watched lately? There has been some television. Um, I have been holding off on uh, getting this, this online CBS channel because um, I wanted to watch uh, the new Twilight Zone, and I also wanted to watch the new Star Trek Discovery. Um, and there's like two full seasons out of Star Trek Discovery. Right. And, uh, unfortunately we watched the first episode of the Twilight Zone. Um, anyway, there was a prime deal for the mm-hmm. channel. So I, I rented yeah. it and, um, the, the Twilight Zone, like the first episode was good, but they are all like 44 minute episodes and it felt way too long and it's mm. really put us off. We're like, they really kind of need to be 22 minute episodes Um, and so we've kind of been like about, Hmm. about watching more of the season. I think we will give more of the episodes a a chance, but we just didn't want to jump in on it because it just stretched on way too long. Um, but, uh, we started watching Star Trek Discovery and there is some rough patches in the first season and there's just some choices that they made with storyline that are kind of make you angry, but it is really interesting characters and they do this thing with the with the opening theme where they have hints of the original series right song song in it, theme and, then in it. Theme in it and then it drifts into its mm-hmm. own music and then it has just a couple of notes as it chimes off and i swear to god like i forgot i just forgot how much of a part of my raising the original series of star trek was because i haven't watched it in yeah. years but like it was the first fandom i was really really into and i remember um for like a christmas present, i found some like it was a kind of semi-professional fanzine that came out quarterly mm-hmm. that my parents were like so upset because they were like oh it's so much money and i got like two episodes or i got like two issues, uh, issues and, and then it just they never yeah. got anymore um but i just i discovered it when i was like 11 or 12 and I just fell in love with it. And then you had the movies that were coming out. Yeah. My dad really liked it. So whenever it was on, we watched it mm-hmm. when I was growing up, but 
Yeah, but it I wasn't was just, a huge it was, fan. It was my original fandom, and it just to, but, the hear the notes. It just like I, I did have an of, I was an officer in Starbase Tulsa, so I can't say <laughs> I'm completely free of the the Star Trek fandom. Uh, and I also I've been looking for kind of lighter fare lately, um, and so I discovered Agatha Raisin on um, it's on one of the Acorn TV, which is one of the British. Yeah, TV. I've seen I've seen advertisements. Yeah, for the the pilot is an hour and a half and it's utterly charming and you love all the characters. The first season's pretty good, but boy, the promise of that first pilot was just freaking amazing. And a lot of times, like, the pilots are really kind of stumbling and you have to, like, get through that. And I'm here I am, like, wishing that the series was yeah. just, quite as good as that first pilot was. I was watching a BBC show called Flowers, which I can't remember. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. And it's really good about the way that it deals with mental illness. Mm. It's a completely different approach and it's kind of a comedy, but it's kind of not because you know, one of this, that this character wants to kill himself and it's, I really like it. I have not watched season two yet, but Um, for movies, uh, Jillian and I went to see like so long ago now, but we went to see Midsummer, um, and I just, I just absolutely loved it so much. And I meant to go see it in the theater again, and it's it's disappeared from the Seattle area. But they're talking about doing a director's cut, which is slightly longer, um, that's going to be coming out. I, I will go see month. the director's cut. Yeah. yeah. I know you didn't fall in love. I, I know you liked it, but you didn't love it. No, I didn't. But yeah. I will pay more attention next time. <laughs> and it, it was a distinct it, choice to foreshadow everything with the art. Um, mm-hmm. It literally told the whole story of what's going to happen in these art panels. And um, loving folk horror the way that I do, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in. Like, I don't, you know. But, I know yeah, and for me, I was like, well, that's like the movie spoiled just the spoiled everything. itself for me. Yeah. And so it just wasn't as, yeah, but I just absolutely but loved it. And, I uh, did like it. I love this physical effects work. They have mm-hmm. some amazing looking dead people in that movie. It is they so gross. They did. And actually I had my very first experience of being in a theater where um, there is a, a graphically violent moment in the film. And the guy next to me just stood up and went, yeah, I'm out. And he just <laughs> walked right out of the theater. And I have never, I'm sure there are people that have very quietly said, yeah, no, and left. But it, like to have a guy be like, "Yeah, oh. that's it, I'm out." No, somebody did that during that. What's that last Tarantino movie? The western one. Oh yeah, Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. Yeah. A guy did that, and he was like, he's like, "Yeah, I'm good." Yeah, and I was <laughs> with him. I was like, "I really hate this movie, but I will stay till the end because it's projected in glorious like 70 millimeter, and it looks so pretty, <laughs> and it's shot on this great film." But yeah. man, I did not like that movie. I and I love westerns like that and yeah. i have just not enjoyed anything tarantino's done in so long that i'm just not doing it anymore um, i like some of his movies and i hate some of his movies yeah. so he's not a director that's like in my top 10 directors of all time but some of the stuff he's done like i loved um uh the the world war Two one. Oh yeah um yeah, i can't remember what that was called uh, some bastards. Inglorious bastards. bastards. I loved Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. So it's not like I hate all of his movies, but just oh, no. some of and them don't appeal to me. And I really want to go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood you know, because that's it's my era. It's my era, and it's about Hollywood in an era that I have read exclusive extensively yeah. on. So I want to see that, even though I know it's his own little private universe. And yeah. It's an alternate universe fake, but... It is. <laughs> but I'm you okay know, with that. And, you know, I am always going to remember that year of of my early adulthood when I saw True Romance, and then I saw Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. and then immediately Pulp Fiction came out I've in the theater. I've never seen True Romance. I, I, I Everybody tells it. me that, that, that I will love it, and I just haven't, yeah. I haven't gotten to it. I will. Well, I've got it. I, I'm... Fairly positive I've got it on disc, so I can, okay. I can slip it in your <laughs> hand and you can take it home. Um, but, you know, it, it changed it changed cinema, and I don't yeah, have any issue. It did. But, you know, I, I just but don't think he's the, much of a person. The, the number of Tarantino ripoffs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and, and none of them held the charm. Or yeah. the storytelling that his did. No, and like, didn't you um, say a lot of a lot of his Seven Psychopaths? Have you seen that? 
I wanted to like that. And there's I wanted moments, to like it too. I love. Well, there's some moments with Christopher Walken and a small dog, which I loved. But the rest of it, it was just, just trying so, so hard. So hard. And I was yeah, like, what is it? Things oh, to do guys. in Denver when you're dead. And yeah. it was like this whole slew of There's movies. this whole slew of. Oh, Tarant- of movies that I call the Tarantino is so is so cool <laughs> school of filmmaking, yeah. which dudes, you're yeah. So I've got two other movies, um, but I do want to return back to Midsummer for one thing and just say the last time that I have felt that impassioned after watching a movie was Fury Road. Where it just oh, yeah. sparked something in me, and it starts. It's it especially I, sparked something in me as as a woman. Yes, um, Fury it, it, Road. Yeah, Fury Road and and Midsummer. I think it started a lot of conversations between a lot of women because mm-hmm. there were things in those movies that meant something very important to us that didn't hit the masculine psyche. Right, that guys didn't. They're like, they're yeah, just, they're just not watching. Right, on there's that like the channel. scene in Midsummer when the women all come together to cry with her. Yeah, and it's just... And, yeah. And, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, there were so many moments in that movie where I just... I just... I want to see it in the theater again because mm-hmm. it, it just pierced me. Um, went to also see Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which I really enjoyed. I um, want to see it so much. I just watched the uh, the guy that plays the, the raggedy man. Mm-hmm. I just oh, watched yeah. him do his act on uh, Australia's most... What was it? Australia's Got Talent or something? Australia's Got Talent is where he showed up. And I was like, yeah, Guillermo del Toro absolutely would have, if he ever saw that video, would be like, nope, that's the guy I want. Because yeah. he is terrifying just when he looks like a normal guy and he's <laughs> doing that. It is wonderful and creepy and a delightful little slice of a pastime because it's set in the late 60s. And I just, I loved the kids there. And there's a there was mm-hmm. a bully that was just like he was terrifying from the moment he came on the screen. You, you just oh, knew awesome. that you knew that he was, you know, going to be either a future murderer or a future wife beater. He just had that air about him of, of, of violence waiting to happen. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna go see a movie today, and I couldn't get my movie pass to log in correctly, and I was like, oh. well. yeah, I'm so past. Uh, yeah, we we're on the AMC, so yeah, me too. Um, oh, we said movie pass. Does that even exist anymore? Still. Isn't it called AMC Movie Equipment? Okay. Movie Pass was the, uh, the oh. earlier one that kind of went belly up. Oh, yeah. No, that one's still gone. I have the <laughs> AMC one also. But they had a huge data breach, so they logged everyone out, and I couldn't remember my password. password. Ah! I'm like, so, oh, man, now i got to do this all over again. And, and lastly, not in horror, but in utter ridiculousness, I went to see Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, which is the new... Oh, that sounds um, fun. It was a fucking delight. And I enjoyed it. And they completely set it up for a sequel. And if they do a sequel, I will happily go see it. The only thing I yeah. beg is I hope they have somebody who will, like, hack, like, an act off of the next movie. Because it was, like, a full act too long. Um, it was oh, very yeah. silly. But, you know. It was too long. It was just too long. Too much going on. Like, you just really need to have, you know, The Rock and Statham. Making yeah, quippy barbs yep, at each other exactly. and beating the shit out of each other and getting beaten up and then things explode. The end. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's delightful. You don't need too much more than that. that. No. Don't try for that much story. So, um. We're not I'll, looking for Shakespeare when we <laughs> no, go to see a, a Fast and the Furious Fast movie. And the Furious movie. <laughs> or even a Fast and the Furious adjacent movie. movie. <laughs> um, so I have been really wanting to do this episode for a really long time, but it's not, it's not like a fun episode to do if you, especially if you want to rewatch a lot of them, which I didn't, (laughs) but I've been wanting to do because horror movies deal with grief amazingly and, and a million different takes on it with both like exploring the depression and, and what goes with it or just, you know, uh, completely Turning it into a different story that you only right. realize well after the fact. Right. Like, for example, one of the movies that you don't think of as a horror movie that deals with grief is Friday the 13th. Oh, it's yeah. It's a slasher film, that right? It's all about a But it's all about a mother grieving her son. son. Yeah. And, yeah, and I enjoy that because it's a nice turnaround to have the woman be the murderer. Yes. Instead of 
so many films about grief are about the woman being killed at the beginning of the movie and the men going to avenge her. That's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, but everybody <laughs> loves the crow. Oh, don't they, though? <laughs> I I always felt like I was lacking so much in my goth points because I went to see the crow in the theater and I was the only, I was the lone goth girl who, who didn't like the crow. I didn't like it. Um... It I showed it recently. Be- it was written because that happened in real life oh. to the guy's girlfriend. She was raped and murdered. Oh. And then he wrote the Crow comic to as a way of dealing, dealing with, with his it. grief. Yeah. So it does deal with grief on that level. But the movie, I enjoy the movie, but I enjoy it because it's kind of silly. Yes. Yeah. Not because I think it deals with grief well. Yeah. Um. I recently showed it, and I have not seen The Crow since originally seeing it in the theater. Mm-hmm. And I, I watched it like a year or two ago. I hosted, had it for a horror movie Friday night, and I liked it a lot more um, on the rewatching. I think because I I took away any expectations I had. Yeah. I think I had expected to like really love it because. It because was... it's a goth shibboleth. Yes, it's yeah. yeah people re- <laughs> people really do love it. But, uh, yeah, I think <laughs> I think they love it more for the aesthetic than the story, it, yeah. because it has a beautiful, beautiful aesthetic. aesthetic. Yes, a gorgeous movie. It's dark, and it's gorgeous, and also uh, the second Crow movie, City of Angels, is also very appealing to the goth aesthetic. Yeah. It's like an anti-Tim Burton film. Because <laughs> there's like two or th- there's like a few gothic st- aesthetics. Yeah, one of them is the crow on one a- on one end. It's all sad mopey boy in a big house listening to Nine Inch Nails. So tragic, so pale. And then the other <laughs> the other goth aesthetic at the other end of the spectrum is the Tim Burton goths oh, yeah. who are all adorable and cute. <laughs> They're like, oh, I love Nightmare Before Christmas. It's so gothic. <coughs> And and I kind of, I think I fall more at the crow end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, a movie that I'm, I'm, I'd had it, it's on my list anyhow, but I'm only bringing it up now because it's kind of the same variant. It's a movie called Citadel, which I've brought up a dozen times. Yes, and I have not watched it, and I nobody's, feel nobody's, moderately guilty. No, no, none of, none of the whole group that we watch horror movies with have seen it, and oh, I've always you threatened to watch it. A, you should show, show it on Friday. I will. And, and it's, but it just, you know, again, it's, it's dark and it's kind of dealing with grief. It is a young father whose pregnant wife was uh, murdered by this, he lives kind of in a, a projects in uh, Ireland and uh, this roaming group of ki- like young teenagers attack his wife, kill her while she's pregnant. And he becomes horribly agoraphobic and it has this whole bent after, but it, all of it is dealing with his grief and his fear and he's trying to Mm -hmm. raise their child which they were able to save um and like a year has passed and he just he can't move past and he's he's just it's it's affected every aspect of his life um but it's it's i i keep i I keep making the comparison now that I worry because I haven't seen it in a couple years that it's not quite as apt but it it always felt like it had kind of a brood feel Mm-hmm. To it, which I really liked. Um, yeah, I really like the brood too because yeah. I was going to put it on my list, and I was like, "No, that's about anger. It's not about grief." A little it's, bit. I mean, it's uh, about grief, maybe grieving the end of a relationship, kind of in the same way that possession is. But it's it's yeah. it's, it's grief in this very angry way, which is a lot of part of yeah grief too. So, no, I want to talk. I want to talk about the brood on when we do the women in horror one. Oh yeah, because that's a very that's a movie about women in a way that you didn't see back then. It's yeah. about women's anger. Yeah. See, now you guys get a little sneak preview of our next episode. So sneaky. So sneaky. All right, I want you to throw out some some movies. Uh, let's see. I'm going to throw out. A movie which I am not sure is a horror movie, but it feels very much about grief and loss to me, yeah. and that is The Pillow Book. I've never seen The Pillow Book or even heard of The Pillow Book. Oh, my God. So it's about this Asian woman, and she has a sexual fetish for calligraphy. So she frequently invites her, so she has her lovers write beautiful things over her body. 
and she falls in love with, and she meets a young British guy who she falls in love with. And Hi, at the Max. same time, her father was a famous writer, and when she sent her works to her father's publisher, mm-hmm. the publisher will not read them because she's a woman and he's a gay. He's gay, so she starts writing her books on her on the bodies of beautiful naked men and sending them to the publisher. Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> and um, uh, you have. I wish there was a version of it that was not panned and scanned, because it is a film that needs the whole screen. It's just gorgeous. But, well, I'm not going to spoil the ending for you. It does have some horror elements, but it is, it's about a woman who, she has this fetish because when she was a kid on her birthday, her father was a calligrapher, and he would write, like, happy birthday on her face when she was little, and that made her feel loved and happy. Yeah. And this became, comes an ongoing fetish, and it's, oh my god, it's one of the most beautiful films ever, just visually. I think there's a lot of these movies um, that deal, you know, a lot, uh, very specifically with grief, that kind of go on the edge of of drama with horrific elements, um, because two of my favorites, only barely, I think, but they, they still, to me, kind of qualifies mm-hmm. horror, is Lake Mungo, which I absolutely fucking adore, and is all about how a family deals with grief of losing their daughter in a swimming incident. Um, what? You... No, I just, I remember watching that film, and all I remember was bl- that it had some blinking lights at the end. <laughs> it really... I don't remember I remember that even... I liked it, but I remember nothing about the film, is it what is I'm saying. It is one of those movies that I just was blown away. I just, I was watching it at just the right time, and it just I absolutely want to ass. see it again. Yeah, I would I just... happily show it. It's one of those ones that I've, I've, I've shown it years ago, and I'll show it again, because it's just, okay. I love spotting new things in it when I watch it. Another one that's kind of in the same variant is... Um, Personal Shopper. Um, oh, I have not seen that. I really, really enjoyed it. And I think it, uh, you know, there was, a, there's this really, it, it kind of, well, I'm trying to think of how to say this. It kind of comes up with just conversations. There's, there's this, a uh, really great article that was just shared, um, interviewing, uh, Sadie Doyle, um, where she has read, or she's written two books on, uh, like horror and feminism and, in oh, and, uh, anyhow, and she was recently interviewed, um, and the article is called horror is a soothing genre. It's upfront about how scary it is to be a woman. And yes, Max, it's also very scary to be a Max. Do you want to be under um, the blanket? And I don't know if, like, Kristen nope. Stewart is a is an interesting actress and has done a couple of horror movies and is seeming to do really interesting mm-hmm. roles, but they yeah. seem to hate her because she was in Twilight. And But the thing is, they still seem to hate Robert Pattinson as much for being in it, too. And they're both doing interesting things. Have and you seen doing, the trailer for that Lighthouse movie? It looks fucking amazing. It looks so good. And, but there's these... these Women who get hugely popular popular, and then are absolutely beloved for this short period of time, and then once their fancy passes, it's just, you I just don't tear think, them apart. Well, I don't think Kristen Stewart was loved. I think she was hated because people hated the Twilight movies before they came right. out. And I think, I didn't really like the movies, but they're not worthy of hate. Yeah. And I feel like maybe because the books were targeted at young women. Women. They, because they those books liked, were written yeah. for They're, teenage it, girls. Yeah. And people automatically put them in the ghetto. Yeah. I mean, they're... Okay, I'm going to say that, but I'm also going to admit those books are terribly written and they're not very good. Yeah. But I think a lot of the bias... I think a lot of people are biased against them for reasons other than that. Mister... She loves you. If Kitty um, loves personal you. Personal shopper, uh, it, <laughs> I, I just heard through the grapevine through a couple of friends that, oh, I saw it, and it's so much better than you think it's going to be, and it's, mm-hmm. it is this young woman who is, 
<laughs> oh, Max. Um, he's a good kitty. She's, she's just... a, a personal shopper for this very famous and, and rich, like, actress. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's dealing with the grief of losing her twin brother. And she is talking about how she has a a paranormal sense of being able to sense things and see things. Um, and it is intertwined in her trying to find her way in the world after losing her brother and being a young 20 something who mm-hmm. just feels like she's doing something that's really useless and very trite. Um, it's surrounded in an industry of people who of are artificiality. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of her trying to find her way while dealing with, a huge gripping sadness mm-hmm. um, from losing someone very close to her. And Lake Mungo and Personal Shopper, I I loved them both for uh, giving this really <sighs> drama presentation. And then there's these asides towards the end where if you're paying attention, there's mm-hmm. so much more. And right. you realize, like, of hints of things that were given earlier in the right. movie. Right. I and, love that. That's one oh. of my favorite things. And then you get to watch it again films. and you watch for the mm-hmm. you You're know, like, more oh, hints. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just, I think they're fantastic movies that are. Right. Um, I The film about mourning that I felt, for me, that was the best film I've seen lately that was about mourning and that rewarded paying attention was definitely hereditary. Oh, God. Because that movie, the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't, the first time I saw this, I didn't understand the depths of the story. Because there's a lot of articles about that movie saying, what the hell was the ending of that movie about? And I'm like, if you watch it a second time, it all becomes completely clear Clear. what the end of that movie was about. And you're really... I, I love stories where they're an unlikable woman. And a lot of these mm-hmm. become like women's and parents' stories. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Hereditary and Babatook are, are mm-hmm. both on this of like women. Yeah, they're both. Um, and and what I think is is they are, they present them as unlikable women. And, and it's like, but you don't realize the trauma and how yeah. it is imprinted how they, their entire How they became lives. an unlikable and it woman. it reshaped them. Right. And it's just because they're trying to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, just right. in um, grief. In Piwacket, mm-hmm. the character of the mother is so, heart, is so upset about the husband's death that she uproots the daughter and they move out into, a, and out is, into the forest. And being just... Horrific because she can't see past her own. And you know that the reason she's horrible, she's being that way, is because she's so bereft and she's mourning and she's not ready to process Mm. being a a single parent. Yeah, and it's so hard. And Babadook has that same... same, It's the mm -hmm. same thing. And it went on for years because she was... She was heading to, in the Babadook, she was heading to the hospital to give birth when the accident happened. Mm-hmm. At the point is, her her son is like, you know, nine or ten. And, but and her she life has, just, has never moved on because she's never gotten better. Right, because she's been distanced, she's been distanced from him because that was the night that the bad things yeah. happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, oh, I just, I, I love when the stories are... Not women being perfect and mm-hmm. not, yeah, you know, and where it's a struggle, and so many people just can't see past that at times. Um, I'm gonna let you throw out a couple of uh, um, I've got a movie that we were talking about last night that I know you love called The Uninvited, and that isn't the, the, the characters who are in mourning in that are the ghosts, that the ghosts have this history that they're replaying and replaying mm-hmm. and the people that buy the house slowly become aware of what the story is but it's very much a story about grief it's about that the daughter character yeah never having known her never mother. having known her mother and being curious and, about and I think it feeling and, a little bit of a loss because she doesn't have a father there either mm-hmm. she's being raised by her grandfather and I think suffering from a what could have been had they been there and, and feeling uh-huh. this loss that goes yeah. on of not having a parent. Yeah, and it is 
a great movie. It's from the 40s. It's black and white. It's uh, available on Criterion Disc with tons of features. Oh, it was so unavailable for so long when Criterion came out Oh, yeah. It was, I with saw it, it on VHS. Oh. Because Me too. I have it, it on VHS. <laughs> so that is a movie that I love that I feel very strongly is about that. Um, um, there's a bunch of them that deal with uh, groups of friends dealing with a loss of one of their their group. You have right. the descent and you and have yeah, the, the ritual, ritual. Both of which are very similar and very different. In the descent, yeah. it is a group of women, women dealing with loss and dealing with their history together. Yeah. They're, they and have that, axes. And to, you, they have hatchets they that are unburied. Yeah, and a lot of... You, you get the idea that their friendships perhaps might have drifted and and let them move on, but the grief kept them together, and maybe they shouldn't have been friends anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you know I because have... Because they're hanging on to things that they shouldn't be hanging on to. Because they don't know. They're like, we were together then, and the... yeah, it's like yeah. when you run into a friend from high school, and you realize, wow, we used to be best friends, and now we have nothing, nothing in common. common. And uh, the thing that I thought of was... Um, I moved, ouch, um, I moved from Minneapolis to Seattle with a, a guy that I was dating, and we stayed together long past we should have because... You were in we a new were, city. We were in a new city. We were separated from everything, and that kept us together when, uh-huh. when I you think, probably if, had we not moved, yeah, yeah, if we hadn't moved, we'd have both had our, our groups, and we, we probably would have separated uh-huh. at some point because... But when that's all you have anymore, yeah, and that's what binds you, sometimes it keeps yep. you in that place longer than you should. Max, you are adorable and sweet. He's into my foot, and it's amazingly painful, but it's so full of cat love. Um, would you like a blanket to put over I your would foot? like to hogtie him so he stops clawing me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also really like movies that... Um, I feel like there is a lot of grief involved with um, It Follows. And, and it's, it's less see, of like I don't a grief see of... It Follows as being about grief. I see it as being about fear of sex. Yes, in a sense. But also I feel like it is the story of people who have to... Is He's just... He's being ridiculous. It is the story of people living with their choices after they've made them and how it follows them and stays with them and that it it just lingers and and that almost felt i mean it's not yeah. straight up but it, it i can see how you could i can see reading it that way it's not how i read it mm-hmm. but yeah i can see that um let's see what have i got um the movie wakewood which is kind of a folk horror film <sighs> it's about a family whose daughter is killed in the very beginning of the movie. She's like four, like a four-year-old, I think. Yeah, she's a little little. And girl. they move to this small rural town and find out that if you live in this town, you there's a ritual they can do that will bring your loved one back for three days. But of course, they they can't bear to let her go at the end of three days. And of course, and then bad that's things, when things happens. happen. Cause you don't follow the goddamn rules. I know. And seriously. I... <laughs> they said three days. <laughs> Timothy Spall is very specific on this matter. <laughs> um, and I'm going to mention right now, a lot of these movies um, are kind of on the folk horror end. And uh, last night we recorded with city of geek. Uh, which is a bunch of Crypticon people that have their own podcast. It's Kim and Cody and Tony and Bob, and they have a, a four-person group that is on, like, I think they're in the 20s of episodes. Yeah. Um, and they're really great. Uh, they do um, not just horror, but cinema in totality, like oh. of anything that they're seeing. Yeah, yeah. And they also kind of have a geek-centric um, right. Uh, right. aim on the podcast. So and they're going to be more genre films exactly. then. You're not going to hear about the bridges of Madison County. No. <laughs> Unless um, the bridges are covered with devils. Devils! 
Uh, but we uh, were on their podcast, so uh, we will definitely cross-share on our Don't Read the Latin yeah. and also uh, encourage you to look into City of Geeks. It's a charming and funny from with a lot of different viewpoints because the age range of the uh, – they've got Cody, who's really young, and Tony, who's about – he's, mm-hmm. like, between our ages. And you get to hear, like – the cinematic experience from a bunch of different viewpoints. Yeah. Um, and it, I thought it was a great episode. So definitely going to uh, share that. Ouch. Max, you little son of a bitch. He loves you. He loves son me of a with, bitch of love. with his claws. He loves me with his claws. Um, do you have another movie or do you I want me to go? Do you, I kind of want to, there are a whole bunch of these movies that specifically deal with the death of a child. You. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't look now. Oh yeah, that's on my list too. Well, I'd imagine it would be. <laughs> it's down there at the bottom when I was desperate. Um, um, Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead. A lot of these deal with with the death of a child and the grieving of the parents. You have mm-hmm. Wakewood. Uh, you have Don't Look Now. Um, Audrey Rose. Audrey Rose. Uh, the Haunting of Julia. Pet Cemetery. Um, uh, Before I Wake, which is that. Uh, that poor um, Mike, uh, why can't I remember his name, who did The Haunting of Hill House and Hush and all those movies. Mike Flanagan. Um, it was his movie that was kind of caught in a production hell. Like, it got Who's done. Uh, it was uh, called Before I Wake. It is this oh, that's the who... one about the little boy that has the butterfly dreams. Yeah. and uh, Yeah, I really like that. Every time he falls asleep wacky hijinks ensue and and people are nearly killed um but it's a couple who is taking in a foster child um or even a i think just straight to adoption but it was after their son had passed and so um after he starts staying with them and every time he falls asleep they start seeing their son that passed away Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and uh it's a really for a movie that didn't really come out in theaters and didn't get a huge release. It's really good. It is. And this poor movie, it was it was finished a couple of years before it was released. And I think the company that had, like, footed the bill on creating it, I think, went under. And so it was in just this distribution hell of not being able to do with it, anything with it. And uh, it was actually getting, it had gotten a release in the UK. It had gotten a release in another country, but they could not get a U.S. distribution for it. And finally Netflix took it on, but it had been like floating around out there for close to two years before it came out. And it, you know, I love Mike Flanagan's stuff. And I do too. And I think that even the people that really liked Mike Flanagan's stuff were, were kind of like, there was a dreamy, almost kinder note to that film. Yeah, it was softer. And it didn't appeal to the people that loved the other stuff that he had done. But, you know, there's just this... It's it's hard. Even the Changeling is, is entirely about, you know, George C. Scott basically running away mm-hmm. after losing his wife and child um, off to Seattle where he... He discovers that the beautiful old house that he is renting has, you know, a ghost child in it. Yeah. Um, are there any of those that you have anything specific to say? I mean, a lot of them are, are movies that I absolutely adore. Yeah, they're they're all pretty good movies. I yeah. mean, I don't really have much to say about them because they're movies that we like. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got on my list... One of my favorite movies of the last couple of years, and a movie that you do not like at all, which is Mandy. Yeah. It just was not my bag. I know. It was very much made for people that weren't me. (laughs) I want to hear you talk a little bit more about Mandy, though. Okay. (laughs) You don't have to. No, I'm still getting those texts, but I'm just going to... (laughs) <laughs> Set him aside. Eventually there will be a monitor in your life. Theoretically. In theory, yes. Um. So, Mandy. I really liked Mandy because I felt like, first off, it was a rare movie in which the male lead and the female lead, the guy was not... 
neither one of them was better looking than the other. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the movies where you get like the 50-year-old schlubby guy and for some reason he's dating a supermodel. They looked like real people. Yeah. And they um, looked like kind of our people. They were alternative. They were Yeah, they were into heavy metal and they painted and she drew these amazing like book cover art and things that you would paint on the side of a van. And I really liked her as a character, so the fact that she gets killed early on and that the rest of the movie is about him avenging her, I I liked that they gave me a chance to get attached to her. And I thought she was so... The actress was so good in the role. Yeah. And so, yeah, I really liked it. Um, it is ridiculous and over the top. And so they, much bombast. It's very bombastic. He ends up fighting... He ends up forging a giant heavy metal axe to chase down some demonic bikers who... I don't think they're... Who may or may not be actual demons from hell. We don't... I don't think it really clarifies that. So it does go over the top, but it also has some really great cult stuff in it. Yeah. The, the, the weird cult that kills his wife and their leader who is kind of like I he's like a cross between Marjo Gortner who and uh Charles Manson mm-hmm. and he's he is great in the role. Yeah. I just really liked it. I love the aesthetic. I like the dream sequences that are like look like comic books. Yeah. And I and I really me, thought I was gonna, you know Yeah. So many people were loving it and I just I started it and it's 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 already in a way that didn't work for me. It's but already it, in a way that totally worked for me. <laughs> but I loved I loved seeing the couple and, and talking to people even when I didn't like the movie. Like mm-hmm. I went to watch I watched the confrontation between her and the cult leader. Because uh, it's just so fucking badass. It is really hard to watch that. It's it is. so good. Yeah. and But I love to see these couples that are, like, portrayed as loving, wonderful couples that are Yeah, but strange. they care about themselves. Yeah. And they're just... And that yeah, was what um, I loved about the Devil's Candy. Yeah, was I was they just were about to bring that up. They yeah, were that's... just a normal family who happened to, like, listen to metal. Yeah. And that made me super happy. And that exactly. comedy I watched recently... Um, uh, heavy trip. Uh-huh. It's just these guys happen to be a Norwegian death metal band, but they're kind of <laughs> just normal dudes. Yeah. And yeah, I really like that. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, that was what I was gonna. Did you see La Llorona? Oh yeah, the Christmas because La Llorona. I know that I don't know what the movie's about, but I know that the that the ghost is a woman who lost her children and then wanders the roads at night looking for other looking for uh, other children. children. And if so she sees your child, she will take it. I do not know the the La Llorona curse that well, so all I know is the presentation from the movie. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, it is kind of a Medea. Uh, presentation of mm. of her husband hurt her and and she left her children. and the only way that she could hurt him was to take away the thing from them that he loved the most which was his children and so it crushed her like when she kind of came back to her sense it crushed her so much that she had killed her children that that is what draws her to like go and take more children uh to her and, and that away. could be right. That could be what the actual folk legend is. I am remembering from what I read in books of mythology when I was a kid. Yeah. And I really liked it. I, I just wanted to absolutely support and celebrate a, a movie that had like an entirely Hispanic cast mm-hmm. and, and yeah. we had a Hispanic director. Yeah. And it was fun. And it was like an offshoot of the Conjuring universe. And Oh, that's true. You know, I forgot it was a Conjuring adjacent. Adjacent. <laughs> So it doesn't have Ed no. and Lorraine Warren. In it has it. it has the priest that is in like the second Annabelle movie or the first oh, Annabelle okay. movie. Um, but it was you know I mean it was a lot. Good God, Cat! Just say that you're a member of the podcast and come, come on, out earlier, come on up, Mister and, and, inter- and introduce yourself and say hi. I'm Max. I'm going to be you meowing through. I will be meowing throughout this podcast there you for go. your pleasure. I had to cover him up with a blanket because that makes him feel safe. I'm <laughs> now. <laughs> no, there's just a sad meow coming from underneath the blanket. Um, something that again deals with grief, but is on the happier end of it. And I, I 
I brought it up so many times, but I do love the final girls. And it is so about uh, a girl who's oh, dealing yeah. with the death of her mom and getting mm-hmm. the opportunity to spend, even in a way, more time with her. Oh, yeah. And it's and that's, just... It's a super good movie. It's, mm-hmm. It is... Like, once not a year... Not to be with the movie Final Girl, which is also... Which is okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they came out in, like, the same year, too, and it was just that one S. Um, you have The Woman in Black... Um, which is both, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember when I know her child is. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, but the main character is dealing with the death of his wife. That's, yeah, um, you're right. And, and okay, he's a, a lawyer now. and, and he's, you know, it's, it's, it's back in a different day where they're just really, ex- well, I think even in modern times, like they give you time to grieve, but then you're just supposed to hit the end of it at some point. Yeah, get over it. it. Yeah, you know, well, you know, That's time not how passed. grief works. It really isn't. Grief. <laughs> sometimes it is. And some people grieve not. that way. Some people grieve other ways. Yeah. You can't, you yeah. can't say, It's oh, not a faucet. You can be like, well, this bucket's full now. All right, you're done missing your mom now. <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah. um, I have some goofier movies. I would love list. some goofier uh, movies. I've got a movie from the 50s called The Brain That Wouldn't Die. And it's about a guy who is that, gets... No, it's not John, the John Crawford. No, no. It's a guy who is driving with his beautiful wife, and they get in a car wreck, and she gets decapitated. And then he is so upset that his wife that his wife is decapitated, he manages to keep her head alive on a tr- in it on a tray full of liquid. A very low-budget tray full of liquid. It could be a cake pan, but we're calling it a scientific tray. <laughs> And um, then he goes around to strip clubs trying to find the perfect body to replace her body. So it's and it's because it's, he it's, loves it's, her so much. It's vintage Frankenhooker, kind of. <laughs> I believe it's probably what Frankenhooker ripped off. God, Frankenhooker. So he tries to find the perfect body for his wife, and then at the end of the movie, after he's defeated, the wife just looks at the camera and says, "Please let me die." And the head just starts begging to die. And when I was a kid, that scared the crap out of me. I understand why. So much. And now I watch it and I'm like, because this is kind of a traditional Christmas movie at my parents' house. So when we watch it now, I'm like, oh my god, this is so campy and overblown and ridiculous. But at the time, I was like, oh, he loves his wife so much. Yeah, he loves her so much, he goes to every strip club in town. (laughs) Um, a movie that I've only been able to watch once is, uh, The Orphanage. Um, and you don't realize, I mean, it's a, it's a child who disappears. Um, and it's a mother desperately, like, she doesn't know what has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's up until the end of the movie. Um, and it's so about how she won't, she won't give up and she keeps searching and searching and searching for her child. I just found it, it, it really upset the shit out of me the one time Mm -hmm. I did see it. Yeah, it's Um, pretty upsetting. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but you know, well done. And you know that in like Pan's Labyrinth, I just, I can't. Yeah, it's got that ending where you're like, when you find out what happened happened, and it's just just like, oh my God, it's horrible. Yes. So uh, what and else? It's not a supernatural thing that happens, At which all. makes it worse. Which makes it worse because it's realistic. Yeah. Why is that blanket meowing? Meow. Um. There's a bunch of animal movies about vengeful animals, like the movie Orca, which is a Jaws ripoff about an or killer whale who is avenging the avenging the murder of another killer whale. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I can't around. hear about whales because then I think back to that mother whale. Yeah, who carried her baby around in mm-hmm. the sound for ever because her dead baby. Yeah, because she just kept mourning. Oh, yep. So yeah, Talk it was more also about an, grief, that was also Rias. an orca. Uh, let's see, I'm almost out of list. Me oh my! Too. At the bottom of my list, it just says mummies in general. <laughs> <laughs> Because the old mummy movies, 
He was always reanimated. I mean, there have been a lot of newer mummy movies, but in the old days, if a mummy came back, it was because there was a woman who reminded him of his dead girlfriend and that he loved her so much that he would try to get her. He would come back to life Mm -hmm. to try to get her, which is very sweet. And yet they always shot him. And it never worked. It never works. Did I tell you we finally showed Tekla the mummy? And I was I'm kind of sad. She liked it. But, like, Jim and I loved. Like, it was... There's a couple of movies that it's were, like, like... Yeah, I love that movie. It's so swashbucklery. It's swashbucklery and, and cheesy. And um, have you ever seen... What is it? Blood Island. There's a movie with Gina Davis where she plays a pirate... I was unaware of this. Oh my god, it's fabulous. It is so cheesy and I might people have to. hated it. Oh my god, is that the one that's like the biggest cutthroat? <laughs> <up. laughs> A ghost from the basement has screamed the words Cutthroat Island. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about the movie Cutthroat Island. It's it's one of those movies that's known as like one of the biggest monetary losses. I think yeah. other movies have surplanted. Yeah, they were but- trying to pat. Yeah, the marketing on that movie on that wasn't good. Um, but there's a lot of stuff to like in that movie. I it's one of Monty's favorites. We own I, it. So I love my husband so much. <laughs> <laughs> and then a and then a voice <laughs> screamed from, from the basement, "Cutthroat Island." <laughs> well, you know, I what? know it was some kind of island. You know, I, I'm all griefed out, but I am, I am all right. so, I am so glad that we got together. I'm so glad we're back to a regular schedule. We're going to, we're going to do until just the next the episode when we're doing a thing about, we've done women in horror episodes before, but we're going to approach it from a different angle, angle. and bring some uh, new guests in. Yeah. I'm really, really, really excited about yeah. it. Um, again, and I did also just share um, a piece that I wrote on um the the women uh women find horror soothing um uh interview that was done with sadie doyle um also uh bought her two books that have come out okay so you wrote an article i didn't write well i mean i wrote a piece i mean it right it was the one that i wrote on facebook and then i cleaned it up a little bit and threw it on the don't read the latin site with a link to the interview and then also talks about the the two books that she has written that kind of talk about right you should did you put it on the uh the the facebook page for don't read the latin i'm going to it just okay i I know jim posted it up well no jim just posted it when i was like at therapy so and then we came home and then we yeah and then we so there will be time and if you look in a day or so it'll probably be there it will well it'll be there by the time that this goes up yep i got the book and i have not read it yet because it's on it's my kindle really fr- i'm really enjoying it but i have a feeling when i have to listen to it in pieces yeah i'm i both want like i want to be able to openly express my anger and then i also need to take care of myself and say i'm gonna stop for a little bit but i want to be the one who gets to make that call <laughs> I forgot to bring your copy of Scary Stories to Home right. I put I'm... it on the table right next to where I was going. Yeah, it's fine. Can, you Tecla... it, can I bring it to you Friday? Or yeah. Do you need it oh, God, I don't need it sooner. I just, after seeing the movie, I really want to read the book. And I, so here is a thing is I got really into scary books really young, but somehow never, ever read the scary stories to tell in the dark. Me neither. I was because... reading the stuff I was reading when I was young were the scary stories, like the Alfred Hitchcock short story collections. I loved those. They were great. Did, did I ever tell you, uh, I don't, this has probably just never come up, but um, I was in competitive speech in high school. Mm-hmm. And the first one I did was the room um, uh, to, uh, to, what the fuck was it? The Telltale Heart? No, the, from, from The Shining. It is literally the scene where he, oh. he goes into the room. It's a... Uh, Room two thirty seven, except it's like two, two two. It's a different room number in the book than it is in the movie. But anyway, I do. That was my my speech that I gave up in front of everybody is him going into Mm -hmm. the room and finding the woman's body. Well, the second one I did was a short stories from Alfred Hitchcock presents Uh about this woman who um, her husband kills her but keeps her tiny dog, and so she starts haunting him and convinces him to kill himself and I think and the dog. And then um, uh, the dog, you know, comes running into her arms and then she looks at him and says, well, you're not staying here with us. You're going to hell because you're a murderer. 
And that was, yeah, so. That's adorable. That was Teenage Gen, man. But no, um, I'm fairly certain it just wasn't something that yeah, even I was such a small town library that it was, mm-hmm. well, it came out in the 80s, so it's like, you know. Yeah, I was in high school in the 80s, so yeah. I was too old for it. Yeah. But when I was a kid, I was totally into it. There was a book of short stories by Joan Aiken, who wrote Wolves of Willoughby Chase. And it was in my high school library, and I checked it out, like, every month I reread that book. And I cannot remember what it was called. It was a bunch of scary stories by Joan Aiken, and they were real weird. (laughs) And And I loved that We were those girls. Mm -hmm. Now we are all those women. So anyway, hopefully uh, you'll get this episode and in two weeks we'll have another one and life will be awesome and we'll talk to you then bye (laughs) don't read the latin can be found at don'treadthelatin.com on twitter at drtl podcast on tumblr or at facebook.com slash don't read the latin Please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends and fiends about us. We're dying to meet them.